Well, welcome again to Marin Covenant Church. And for those of you online, welcome again. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, I'm trying to limit my social media. So I said no to Facebook finally. Um, but my iPhone has done this thing. I don't know if your phone does this, where it says, here's a picture from like 10 years ago or from three years ago or from 17 years ago or whatever, how long ago the technology is. And well, um, recently I got this picture that was from 10 years ago. And it was a, of a group of us as friends who go out surfing on Friday morning. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, for 10 years, and I was doing the math, and it's been like almost like 12 or 13 years that this group of friends of, of mine have gone out to Bolinas to go surfing every Friday. And it is like this game changer group of friends. It's a, I love it. It is incredible. Now, this is not Bolinas. This is in my heart what it should feel like. This is what I want it to be. And it's these tiny little waves with murky water, and it's not glorious at all. But in my heart, I want it to be like this. And now that I'm older, I'm actually content with my life and how it is. But when Looking back at this picture, there, there was the younger, more bright-eyed, um, idealistic person that was there who was like, I'm going to learn how to surf. And I remember when I first went surfing and I caught my very first wave and I'm like, I was hooked. I get it. I get why people leave their families, why people quit their jobs, why people just go and move to Mexico. Like, I get it. It is incredible. And I caught my first wave and I'm like, I'm going to become this guy. Whatever it takes, I'm going to become this guy. I'm going to find a way to live my life this way, and away we go. Now, because I'm young and not very smart, and I, didn't, I don't read manuals, you know, because I'm a, a typical jerk guy or whatever, but I'm like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And so the way I figured it out was, well, immediately I need to buy some things, right? So I immediately buy an expensive surfboard. I immediately make Proof Lab my new favorite place. I, make, I get the right pants and the right shirt, the right everything. Because I figure if I have the right vibe, if I have the right equipment, then I'm going to be an epic surfer. So I take my right vibe, I take my right board, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to start figuring the surfing thing out. So I go to Santa Cruz and I start learning the lingo. Oh, this is cows and this is 7th Street, whatever, like all these things. I'm like, oh, I know those places. And I I just got destroyed. Destroyed. Every single time I would go out surfing, because in Bolinas, it's these nice little baby waves, which I caught because it's not hard. But I thought, I'm, you just go. You have the right equipment, the right things, and you go out, and you're going to have this incredible time. And I just got destroyed over and over and over again. Ocean Beach, Santa Cruz, you name it, I got destroyed. And of course, my, my initial thought is, I need better equipment. So immediately, I go back to the store, I buy a brand new board, because I'm like, you know, the bigger waves, you need a shorter board. So now I get this little short board, and I go out in this massive wave, on this massive day, thinking, this is the day, it's all going to come together for me. And immediately, I get tumbled, and I crack a rib, and I like hobble, like I barely make it to shore, and hobble the car. I couldn't even get my wetsuit off, like someone had to undress me. It was so embarrassing. And, uh, and that was the end of my dreams for being an epic surfer. But what I realized is, if I really do want to be a good surfer, it actually has nothing, very little to do with the right equipment, very little to do with the right clothing, very little to do with the right lingo. That there's three really important components that I found. One is I probably shouldn't eat burritos every day, all day. And when I'm stressed, I should probably lay off the hostess. And that just is good for your soul. That, that'll preach for every message, everywhere, for all time. But it's like, there's certain things that if I'm going to do this athletic thing, I should probably not consume these, my body with these things. That's one thing, right? There's certain things to not do. And then what happened was uh, my friend JL, he said, hey, let's go swimming. Let's swim laps. I'm like, swimming laps sucks. Like, it's boring. It's awful. And if you didn't grow up with swimming, a swimmer, it's really hard. 
But the truth is, for six months, three days a week, we swam for a mile. That's what we did. And it was so boring and so lame and, uh, and not inspiring at all. But what I found is I was actually strong. I could actually swim out into the waves. So while swimming wasn't going to make me have a shredded swimmer's body, it wasn't going to change my life. But what it did do is it gave me all the tools. It gave me all of the background, all of the, the, the muscle memory I needed so that I could then go and surf. And it changed how I surfed forever. And then what I found... Like I don't, because I don't surf in incredible epic waves, I actually need community. I need people to do that with. And so this group of guys, we go out every Friday, we leave before the sun even comes up, we drive to Bellinas, we get dressed, we talk about life, we surf for a little bit, we get pastries, we drive back. It's like the best five hours of my week. It's a lot, five hours, but I'm back by nine, so it's okay. But what I found is that has been a game changer for my life. It's been a game changer for learning how to surf. It's been a game changer for everything. Now, if I was Jesus... That's how I would preach it. That's how I'd preach. What is it, how do you follow Jesus? What does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to be on this journey towards Jesus? What does it mean to have a spiritual life? I would say it is like surfing. It's not about the right equipment. It's not about the right clothes. It's not about acting the right way. You know what it's really about? It's about saying no to a couple stupid things that you know you should say no to. It's about doing some of the disciplines that people have done forever and all time. It's about doing it with some friends and then enjoying the good life. If I was Jesus, that's how I would preach it. Jesus chose to use a farming metaphor, which we're going to look at in a second. And so we're going to unpack Jesus' farming metaphor. Um, But I think it is just, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. How do we live this life towards Christ? And we as a church, every church kind of has a different lane, has a different way in which they do spiritual formation. And this morning is kind of the introduction. This is kind of like the, the... the, the, uh, the big overview of how does Marin Covenant, if you want to be part of Marin Covenant, you want to walk towards Christ and this journey towards Christ with us, this is kind of what it looks like. This is what it feels. And so we have, we're starting a brand new sermon series called Toward a Life in Christ That Is. And so on our, on our wall, right, this is what we want to be about as a church. Engage with the spiritually hungry, right? So for any and every person who is warm-hearted towards Jesus, that they would find a safe home here. No matter the background, no matter the starting point, no matter what's going on, this is their spot. And then we want to walk with them towards Christ. That's really big. What does that look like and mean? And that's what we're going to be talking about this whole fall. And what we say that means is this movement towards Christ means that it's going to be inspired, intelligent, and involved. It's a holistic understanding and view of discipleship. So we're going to spend a few weeks looking at what it means to be inspired, a few weeks what it means to be intelligent, a few weeks what it means to be involved. And by the time we get to Christmas, man, we are going to be all tuned up. Does that sound like a good plan? I mean, what are you going to do? You're stuck here. So that's, that's the plan. Okay, so this morning we're going to look at, uh, we're going to kick this whole thing off with this idea of being connected to the vine. Like I said, I'm not a farmer. I needed to find a way that made sense to me. But for those of you who are farmers, you're going to appreciate this um, as well. So there you go. So let's take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. And this is just one of Jesus' most incredible messages to his disciples. Um, I just think it is the most beautiful summation of what it means to know and follow Jesus and the kind of people that Jesus longs for us to be. So here we are, John 15, verses 1 through 5. All right, Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, so remain in me, and I also will remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he sums it up right here in verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, right, you can do nothing. What I love about this passage of scripture is it's so simple. And I think there's this incredible encouragement and there's a little bit of a challenge all summed up there, right? Jesus says, listen, if you want to be people who bear fruit, right? Farmers, they don't just like farm for fun. They farm because they need to bear fruit. There's a purpose to the farming. And Jesus says, the way this works is if you abide in me, stay connected to me, you're going to be the people that I long for you to be. And if you don't abide in me, then what you do is actually not going to have any eternal significance. You can do all sorts of stuff apart from Christ for sure, but to do things that have eternal weight, eternal significance, this transformative thing that God longs for us to be, that doesn't happen unless we're connected to Christ. Well, when I was in college, um, I just kind of got excited about my faith. And uh, because I was young and new and male, I thought the way that I'm going to prove to the world that I'm a good Christian is I'm going to read everything, I'm going to know everything, and then I'm going to beat everybody up who doesn't believe what I believe. And man, I did. I was so good at it. I was so good at this thumping people on the head for not knowing what they needed to know. And, uh, and what's interesting is I read this book when I was my very first book when I was in college, uh, when I started my Christian life. It was called Knowing God by J.I. Packard. It's an incredible book. I think it's one of the best books. In fact, a, a group of women are going to be studying it this fall. Um, and you can sign up for that on our website. Um, but this book, Knowing God by J.I. Packard, and what's incredible is the whole book is about understanding who God is. There's a bazillion scripture references. It is a very thick and smarty pants sort of book. And it's funny, when I read it, the very first time I read it so that I could be a smarty pants. Um, but it wasn't until I read it again when I was a little bit older that this, this quote came out to me. And so in the middle of the book, J.I. Packer says this, it's connection with Christ is the foundation of all true Christian living. It's not your behaviors. It's not your theology. It's not what you give. It's not what church you go to. That the very foundation of all true Christian living is being connected to Christ. That's the very beginning, the middle, and the end. And so we here at Marin Covenant are saying, hey, how do we follow Christ? Well, we are going to be people who are going to spend all of our energy and all of our effort to being connected to Christ. And then we're going to trust that by being connected to Christ, the Holy Spirit's going to have his way in us and through us. How simple is that? So we're going to take a uh, really quick looking at this farming metaphor. We have three quick things to look at. And so let's start with the seeds. This is the dream. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, I, maybe like you, suffer from uh, seed blindness. And what that means is when you look at seeds, you have no idea what they are. They all look the same. They could be coffee beans. They could be bulbs. They could be lima beans. They could be apple tree seeds. And they all look the same, right? A seed to me is a seed, is a seed, is a seed. You too could suffer from this affliction, right? People who are super smart around seeds might be able to tell a difference, but I can't tell a difference at all. What I think is fascinating about seeds, though, is that seeds in their very... DNA in, the, in the, this little compact little protective case is all of the DNA and all of the energy for a brand new life to, be, to emerge, right? When that seed is planted in the ground and all of the environmental conditions are correct, that seed moves from this weird little thing that has no idea what it is to becomes a seedling, plants little roots, and becomes a thing. And what's funny is they, the seed doesn't just get to decide. Just, the seed doesn't, doesn't go, I wonder what kind of plant I'm going to be. Am I going to be a weed? Am I going to be an apple tree? Am I going to be a flower? Like the, it's already a thing. All the DNA is already planted inside of it. And it's just simply about having the right conditions for that seed to then become what it was supposed to be. And what I love is all over scripture, right? Jesus talks about this idea of God being the farmer 
God being the sower of the seeds. And he's so generous, right? He doesn't just give the seeds to very good Christian people or very good godly people. He scatters the seed generously. And some of it will fall on good soil, some on bad soil, some on rocky soil, right? The, 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 the picture has, Jesus says, well, there's a lot of things about it, but I think it's overwhelming that God is so generous. Seeds are important. They're valuable. They are a commodity. And God is just generously passing out these seeds. And what's interesting is these seeds, these seeds that the Holy Spirit takes, has all of the DNA in it for what it means to know God, to love God, and to become like God. So when you say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside you, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you have the seed of faith inside of you, all of the DNA of what it means to be a godly woman and godly man is already inside of you. Like you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to try. You're not like, what does this all mean? It's all right there. It's just simply, are we going to put ourselves in a posture to let the environment take hold so that the Holy Spirit can do actually what the Holy Spirit longs to do? So God's already done that work. So God has already initiated the work. God's already done the work. And now are we willing to partner with God with the work? And this is the second part. So the second part is the process. Are we willing to put in the energy and the effort? I love this passage in 1 Corinthians. Paul talks about how the seed of faith is planted. And he says, you know, I, Paul, I'm watering it. Apollos, you know, is is what planting and watering, planting and watering. But it's God who ultimately causes faith to grow. God's the one who's doing this work, and we just simply want to partner with him. And so are we willing to put in the effort? Are we willing to, to put ourselves close to where the Holy Spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit is active? So that's the hard thing. When you think, I want to grow my walk with Christ, it's not about doing this and not doing this. It's simply about showing up and making sure you're in the spot where the Holy Spirit is alive and active. John's, you know, the, Jesus says in the book of John, right, that, that he, he cuts off uh, the branches that don't bear fruit and he prunes others so that you become more uh, fruitful. And I love this idea of pruning because the idea is immediately we all know there's things that we're supposed to get rid of in our life. Immediately we know. I know. I've known this for months. I am supposed to turn off my phone at seven o'clock. I know it. I know it. God has told me this, but you know what? I'm tired at night. I can't sleep. And so I'm going to scroll through TikTok. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to do, watch, see what's on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe tomorrow night will be the thing, right? And God's like, are you kidding me? Are you seriously going to do this? And then every now and then, like once a week, I will not, I will actually turn my phone off at seven. And I sit around my family. I'm like, look at you jerks and heathens on your phone after seven. Can you believe it? Don't you care and love God, right? I'm also judgmental. Because there's this weird thing when God reveals something in our life that we need to be pruned and we need to adjust and we need to like take care of, immediately we look around and be like, well, what about them? What about them? They must be failing it. They must be failing it, right? And so there's this hard tension where we want to be able to be open to be pruned but that is our journey, our walk with God based on who God is doing, what God's doing in our life and our backgrounds and all things. And so we want to be people who are always open to being pruned. And gosh, can we give space that God's pruning other people just at a different rate in a different space and a different time. But if we're all connected to Christ, we're trusting that God is going to prune us. And so we need to prune off those things so that we can bear more fruit. And we need to be connected to Christ. And what's so funny is where's the place that the Holy Spirit's at work? Every third grader in Sunday school knows the answer. You probably know the answer. What are the three things? What's one of them? Come on, church people. What? I could ask any high schooler. Every high schooler knows the answer. What is the, how do you grow in your walk with Christ? What are the things? Pray, right? Read the Bible, go to church. That's it. Like every third grader knows it. Every middle schooler knows it because it's not rocket science, right? How do you lose weight? 
exercise, eat less. Like it's not rocket science, but we make it so hard. And so we want to be where Christ is. So how do we do that? We make space to pray. We make space to read scripture. We make space to do that with each other. And then we prune off the things that God brings to our attention. What I love is that this whole idea of moving towards Christ is an interaction with the Holy Spirit. This is not about you trying really hard to prove that you're a good person, you proving really hard that you're a good Marin Covenant person. This is not about you trying at all. This is about you putting your effort into being close to Christ and trusting that the Holy Spirit's the one who's actually gonna do the work. I love this passage in Psalm 32. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Isn't that beautiful? That if you put yourself in connection to Christ near the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is actually going to nudge you along. And with his loving eye, he is going to guide you. He's like, would you please just give up your phone at seven? How stupid is that, right? That's a really simple thing. But man, there's, there's like really big things, really hard things, really scary things, things that we say out loud you can get fired or shamed about, right? There's like, it's the big, it's the small. And we know for sense of the Holy Spirit with God's loving eye, he's like, aren't you kind of ready to be done with that? And then we partner with the Holy Spirit to try to be done with that. And thankfully, the whole part of a Christian life of embracing God's forgiveness and grace and mercy, like it's not about shame, it's not about guilt, but it's about partnering with the Holy Spirit to simply give up those things, not so God loves us more, but so that we bear fruit. That's the whole thing, we wanna bear fruit. And so God with his loving eye is like, aren't you ready to be done with that? Now here's the next part of the passage of scripture though. Because if not, he says this, well, do not, be like a horse or a mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by the bit and bridle. Ooh. Now, what I love about this passage of scripture is that God loves us. God will have his way in us and through us. And he will either guide you with his loving eye or he'll use the bit and bridle and get you to wherever you've been. And if you think about your whole Christian life, you're like, oh, that checks out. That checks out that there's times in my life when God's like, do this, do this, do this. And you're like, no, 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 no. And God's like, well, I'm going to keep putting the pressure on until you figure it out, right? And what I love about that is the Holy Spirit will do the work. You put yourself in connection with Christ. It is by God's loving eye and your partnership. If you're like, see a God, I don't want anything to do with you. Man, 10, 20 years from now, God's going to hunt you down. And by the bit or by bridle, he's like, are you ready now? And you're like, yes, I'm ready now. And I love hearing some of your stories who are like, for 20 years, I'm like, peace out. And God finally, through bit and bridle, however way, manages for you to be here. So this process of transformation is a movement of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It is not about us having to do or prove anything. It's just being in the posture of where God is. And then when we do that, we actually get to bear fruit. Now, what I think is fascinating is where we live, we are, uh, are we're basically like self-righteous about not being self-righteous, right? Here in Marin, especially like we love that we're free. Like, right, we'll never, you'll never hear from the pulpit, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, right? Because we're free. We're letting the Holy Spirit do the work. And so what ends up happening is we just think the things that we prune, like how do we do with behavior management? And some of us grew up, grew up in churches that if you did the right thing, then you were a good person. If you did the wrong thing, then you were a bad person. But I think there's this passage of scripture about bearing fruit. I think there's a little bit of an interesting pushback because when you see Jesus and Paul talk about good fruit, the assumption is that we're righteous people. 
Like that's the assumption. The assumption, do you realize Jesus doesn't teach a lot about, hey, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. He was talking to Jewish people who had the 10 commandments and had the Talmud and had the Torah. Like they had all the laws. They knew all the things. And Jesus actually doesn't correct them and say, those rules don't matter. Those laws don't matter. Right? Personal holiness and righteousness, eh, they don't matter. That's not at all what he says. Personal holiness and righteousness does matter. But what matters, what the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because the Pharisees and Sadducees, they crushed personal righteousness. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, right? Those are these like relational, emotive things. Like, how do you know that you're doing well in your walk with God? It's not because you've, you live this perfect, pious life and then you're self-righteous towards other people. No, you should live a righteous life. You should be a holy person. When God says, cut that thing out, you should cut those things out. But that doesn't make you righteous, right? That doesn't make you, what it does is it just puts you in the, the lane for God to use you. But the fruit, if you're actually connected to Christ, the fruit of it are these, these, these relational characteristics that really matter. And I just think that's such a good and helpful boundary that we, we want to be people who are righteous. We want to say no to the sins that, that crush us, but we don't want to be crushing other people about that. And, um, and what I love is, as Paul says in Colossians, he, he's, he puts it a different way too. He says, we want to put on the clothing of Christ. So if you're doing this thing, if you're connected to the vine, if you're bearing fruit, it, yep, it's a given that you're trying to move towards righteousness, but you know that you're doing it right. He says, this is what it looks like when you're clothed with the clothing of Christ, that your life looks like compassion, and gentleness, patience, kindness, humility. And then he goes on and says, and you should forgive one another the way that I've forgiven you. And then you put on love, which binds all things together in perfect unity. The assumption is if we're connected to Christ, then the way in which we connect to one another is going to bear the fruit, the smell of Christ, which is all gentleness, kindness. You talk to anyone outside of our church about, hey, give me the top five descriptors of Christians, and it's not going to be those things. What an awful thing that that's not our testimony because everywhere in scripture, our posture is gentleness and kindness and patience and humility. What I love is um, every now and then, you know, my kids are older now, but when they were little, especially we would go and bring them to my grandparents, to, to my parents' house, their grandparents' house. And you know, if, when you're raising your kid, all you see is them in front of you. They're just these dirtball kids. They're terrors. They're breaking things. You're just going to fight with them. Of course, there's good times of every now and then as well, too. But, you, you know, you just see them in this moment, and they just drive you crazy. And then you go to your grandparents' house at Christmas time, right? And the grandparents are like, oh, look at you. Look how much you've grown. Look how smart you are. Look how beautiful you're becoming. Like, because they haven't seen the daily chaos all day, every day. They, they're grandparents and they see the best version of your kid. They see, like, they see them compared to who they were six months ago or a year ago. They see this growth that's happening. And I think one of the reasons why we need to be around the church is because we need people in our life to be our grandparents. Because you guys are really hard on yourself. I'm really hard on myself. And I think God... Have you even done anything in my life? I see that picture from 10 years ago and I'm still not a very good surfer, right? Like, am I growing as a person? And, uh, but by being in community, we get to remind ourselves that God is actually at work. And a couple weeks ago, I had a coffee with my friend, Anthony, and I love being with him. He's one of my favorite old guys from our church he, because he is the clothing of Christ, is him. He is compassionate and gentle and patient 
and kind and humble. And whenever he meets, he's always tuning me up because he doesn't know what to do with me, which I totally get. And so the first half of our coffee is him always like, are you sure you're a Christian? And why are you a pastor? And what's going on with our church? And we, you know, it's, it's funny. Every six months we have this conversation over and over again. I take it. And, but it always turns, you know, once we kind of get to the other side, um, I always get to reflect back with him because somewhere along the way, he trips himself up and he's like, oh, I mean, I'm so angry all the time and all I do is yell at my family and I just I have all this rage and insecurity and, and he just like has this self-view of this broken, angry man. And I'm like, I resonate with that, right? But as an outside person, I get to go, oh my goodness, Anthony, that is not you. In fact, I've never even remotely seen a whiff of that person and what's so fun is it's this always reminder, I have to prove I'm a Christian, but then I get to prove back to him, no, he is a Holy Spirit Christian and that God has actually changed him and transformed him and his lies about who he is is not who he is anymore because he is bearing good fruit. And I think we need people in our life to remind us that God is bearing good fruit because it is a slow and small process. Every day you go look at a, a grape tree, I mean, a grapevine, you do not see the grape growing, but you go back a week or a month later and there's fruit there. So we wanna make sure that we are reminding each other of that. All right, here's the last thing um, that we wanna just make sure that you have a plan. This is just a brief little infomercial, but I think it's important for you to know because what's so funny is it's not rocket science, right? How do you lose weight? Eat weight and exercise. How you love God? Pray, read the Bible, go to church. It's simple. And so what we've done as a church, we've at least said, hey, it's simple, but for some reason, we're always too busy. We always have too much stuff going on. There's always, there's always some reason. And so we as a church are trying to be as creative as possible. Go, gosh, at least there are creative ways so that nobody doesn't have an excuse. If you want to connect with Christ, if you want to be on this journey towards Christ, then we want to do everything in our power for you to connect to Jesus. And so, right, if you, on your phone, you see there's a group app on, on, the, on our app, right? There's a group. So there's groups for everybody, for entrepreneurs, for married people, for young people, for people who want to do Bible study, for people who want to go hiking, right? If like whatever your group is, like whatever you need, there's a group of people that are going to help you remind you of those things and walk through Christ, right? There's events that are happening. So if you're a guy, this Friday, there's a guy's barbecue, right? If you're a woman connected to a guy who doesn't have any friends, like most guys don't, like go to this barbecue and we're gonna sit and be awkward and eat food together. But there's an on-ramp to then build friendship. And from there, we get to have these little small groups. Like there's all these little steps that we can take. And I would hate if you missed them. I would hate if you missed the men's barbecue. I'd hate if you missed the women's bingo. I would hate that you'd miss the fireside chat, right? I would hate that you miss these things, that we want you to be connected, to be involved so that you are encouraged in your journey, you're connected by the Holy Spirit, and mostly you have people that can reflect back to you that God is doing awesome things in you. Um, the last thing that I just want to make a little commercial about is, as you can tell, this whole process is a Holy Spirit process. I wish it was like, do this and this works. It's not like that. It's be connected to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works. And so we want to make sure that we are partnering with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so, right, this week is about being connected to the vine. Next week, we're going to look at prayer. The week after that, the Holy Spirit, right? There's all these things that are building. But next week, we're going to talk about prayer. And we're actually going to invite you, our entire congregation, to be people to lean into prayer, individually, corporately. And we're actually asked, kind of a big ask, but we're looking for 168 people to give up one hour to pray here at Marin Covenant Church. So some of you are going to come at three in the morning, come to our brand new beautiful prayer room, and you're going to pray for you, for the things that God's put on your heart, for our church, for what God's doing in our county. And we're going to pray together as a church and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to change us, 
transform us and use us. Because all the stuff we want to do is nothing without the Holy Spirit, right? Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And so that's my little commercial. I hope you say yes to all those things. I really hope you say yes to joining us in prayer. And uh, for me, I hate doing anything alone. Like I hate being alone. And so I've actually picked like a bunch of different guys that I meet with kind of regularly. And I'm like, meet me here this time. And so all of my prayer times that I'm doing for next week, I'm with other people because I don't want to do it alone. So if you don't want to do it alone, I'll do it with you. Bring someone else to do it or do it alone. Uh, There's going to be a sign up in the back or you can do it on your phone as well. Okay, that's kind of a commercial, but man, I would hate for you to miss that because this fall really matters.